Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Bible. Here, we study the Bible and we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. By the grace of God, we have done 36 books of the Bible. And uh, if you've not been able to listen to all the podcasts that we've done straight from the book of Genesis, I ask you to please Visit all podcast platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, you name it. You'll find everything there. And I believe even as you listen, the Lord shall speak to you. Because, like we already say here, there's no limitation to revelation. God reveals his word to every single person who shows the need. If you want God uh, to come out and reveal his word to you, he will come out and he will reveal his word to you. Because his word is alive. Yeah? Each and every day that you wake up, his word is alive. He will speak to you. He'll give you a message for the day. He will come back in the same scripture a few months later and give you another message. That's how amazing the word of God is. And uh, we don't get tired. We read, we listen, and we open our hearts to revelation from the Lord. And that is accessible to every single person. If you're out there and you need God to speak to you, he can speak to you. Yeah, Uh, We don't have to make it a point that... There are specific individuals through whom God is going to send a message. God can speak to you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He lives in you. He is within you. God in man himself right there with you. And uh, you can always open your heart and ask him to speak to you. And uh, you can also visit our website, BibleIndepth.com. There you'll access everything about this network. You can find a prayer room live stream. 24-7 that runs there where you can join in and worship and pray and have some personal time with God. It's just an aid for you in your moments of prayer and seeking God to help you there. There are kids' publications, there are radio dramas there, there is content about the Bible and you can be blessed even as you go there. Now, we shall be soon completing the Old Testament. We've run this for about two and a half years now. And it's by grace that we can be able to do this, that we uh, are able to return every day and study the word of God. It's grace, my friends. And uh, we thank God for that. And uh, next week we shall be completing the Old Testament. And uh, today we want to look at the book of Haggai. And uh, he's a prophet who, by the way, is believed to live around the same time or work around the same time as the one that comes immediately after him in the arrangement of the books of the Bible, who is Zechariah. And uh, we will handle the book of Haggai today, and we shall complete it. It's just two chapters that we are going to go through and uh, complete this book. It starts by saying, In the second year of Darius, the king, yeah, remember Darius, these are the guys, Darius, the Meds and the Persians. Darius is uh, from Media. And uh, Cyrus was from Persia. These are the guys who overthrew the Babylonian kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, the one that was mostly known by Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, by the time they overthrew them, it was he was not the one who was king. Uh, his son Nabodinus was the one who was king by the time it was overthrown. But they are the ones who came and overthrew Babylon. And during their time, they sent back. Israel. They sent back Judah. They sent them back 
to their land. They said, guys, we have no need in keeping you captives here. So you can always get back to your land. And they also gave them permission to build, rebuild their temple, which had been burnt down in the time of, ne- of Nebuchadnezzar. So this is the period that they are talking about here, that in the second year of Darius the king, yeah, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah. And uh, when they're talking about Zerubbabel here being governor of Judah, remember, uh, at this point, there are no more kings. You're not talking kings anymore. And uh, when the Persians take over under uh, Cyrus and the Meds, of course, under Darius, they have the reins at that time. They appoint governors to rule in the places they have dominion. The fact that they came and had mercy on the Israelites or were a bit lenient on the Israelites didn't imply they've given them back their autonomy. No. Still, they were not going to operate as before having kings, but rather they were going to have a governor appointed by the ruling authority, which was Persia and the media at that time. So uh, Zerubbabel here is appointed to be the leader and to be the governor of uh, this unit or this section of Judah. Then it's called Yehud because Yehud is the name that was given to it when these Persians are ruling in that region. So Judah, or sometimes you might find it being referred to as Yehud. And that is what is happening now. They send them Zerubbabel, who is governor. So the word of the Lord comes to this prophet Haggai, and it's coming to him. He's telling Zerubbabel, and he's also telling Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, who is the high priest at that point. Yeah, And uh, he says, Thus says the Lord of God, the Lord of hosts, this people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. He's saying, your people, he, uh, Hagar is telling Zerubbabel and the high priest, he's telling them, your people are out there saying, time for rebuilding the house of the Lord has not come yet. Time of rebuilding the temple has not come yet. That's what people are saying. Yet actually, Firstly, by the emperors or the people who are leading the leading empire at that point, which is Cyrus, came and told you that, guys, you can come back, you can build your temple. So, but your people out there are saying it's not time. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? He's asking them. You guys are back from exile. You've built all the fancy houses. You've resumed your businesses. Hmm? You've started your farming again. You're trading. You're sending people across the the nations, sending your goods. Yeah, Because um, the Persians have given you your life back, you are now trying to settle your lives, and you've actually settled them because now they're saying they have even paneled houses. They're sleeping well. It's no longer the life that they had in Babylon. No, now they're having a good life. But then they have forgotten about the temple. They have forgotten about the house of God. So he was giving him a message that it's like people are saying, let's first get well, then we shall think about the house of God. Let us first get well, then we shall think of rebuilding that house of God, that temple which was burnt down. So, the question here that the prophet is posing to them, have you considered this issue or you're now just looking to the fact that your houses should look good, but you don't care whether 
God's house looks good. And that's the question he's posing to them. For you, you are looking good in your houses. Your lifestyles are back to normal. But do you leave the house of the Lord to lie desolate? Yeah? People are passing by, they're wondering. Everything around looks good but the temple. Where you should be getting your refuge, where you should be going to worship, where you should be praising God, it looks a mess. And that gets down to us as well, that we can be living in glorious houses. We live in places that look excellent. You've built the biggest house on the village. You are living a good life, but then the church you go to doesn't even have a toilet. How does it happen? The church that you go to is looking terrible. It's almost falling, but your home, where you stay, is excellent. This is also a message to us as well, because those are places of worship. That's where we go and seek God. That's where we go and pray. That's where we go and seek a blessing. But now the place we are supposed to seek a blessing from is desolate. The place that we are supposed to find God is desolate. Same scenario as these people that are being talked about here of Judah. That they've looked at their houses looking good, but they've forgotten the house of God. And now, it may even not be just about the house. That church on your, in your place where you stay, that uh, you, you go to that is... In, in a terrible state, is even about the kingdom of God, that we take care of ourselves and forget about the matters of the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God are the poor, are the needy, are those who have nothing, the widow, the orphan, yeah, taking care of the stranger, yeah, taking care of, of the prisoner, those visiting those who are in need. Those are affairs of the kingdom of God that are also being talked about. And we need to understand that this can apply to us, that we will take care of ourselves, have a good life, prosper in everything, but forget about the matters of the kingdom of God. Because it lies desolate. Those who are hungry are hungry forever. Those who are, you, you can even have a neighbor that they have no food and you're having all the best life, but they are the kingdom of God that you need to go out his kingdom takes care of the poor. His kingdom takes care of the needy. His kingdom considers those who have nothing. And now, it also applies to us that are we going to look good, dress expensively, ride expensively, but then forget about the ones that are close to us, those, the poor, the needy, the orphan, the widow. That's a, an issue to us as well. The matters of his kingdom are being forgotten. And that's the key thing here. He was practically telling the people of Judah, you've considered getting your lives back in order and having the best lives there, but you have forgotten matters concerning my kingdom. And that applies perfectly to us even today. Do we care about the ministries God has set? Do, do you push that ministry forward? Do you work with that ministry? Do you take care of the needy? Do you consider going to the orphans, the orphanage homes and helping them? All is just about your paneled house. All is just about your life. All is just about that which you want to look good on you and you forget about the rest. So that is the issue here that is being talked about there. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He's telling them clearly. Consider your ways. Don't look at just your life. Consider your ways. 
He's telling them clearly. And he says, you have sown much, but harvest little. Now, this is when they returned to their normal life, they went out, they started farming, they started doing things like they used to do. But now, this is, this is what was happening. They would sow much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. When they eat, but still after eating, they feel they have that hunger, like they've not eaten. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. It's like, whatever you get, it just goes through. Whatever you get, it just goes through. Whatever you earn, you look around and problems have taken it all. Reason, forgetting the matters of the kingdom. Forgetting because they were now looking to themselves and forgetting that there is a temple to build. Forgetting there is a kingdom of God to build. Forgetting that there is ministry to run. Forgetting that there is somebody to take care of on their village, in their neighborhood. So, when we sometimes do this selfish life, I'll call it that. That it's all about me and it's all about me and nobody else should gain from this. It's all about my money. It's all about my home. It's all about what I bring in, how I live my life. You will find that you eat, but you're not full. You get money, but it's just it's like you're putting it in a purse with holes. It's like the money just disappears. Because all that you care about is yourself. You cannot hold on to anything. Selfishness does not hold anything in the end. All that it does, it causes loss. Now, that is what is happening to these people here. They're building their lives, but still, if they come to ask them what have you achieved, there is nothing. That is tangible. Even when they go out to work, it's like they're working for nothing. Reason, they have forgotten the house of God. They have forgotten the kingdom of God. They have forgotten the ministry that they ought to be doing. So he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And he tells them again, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains. Bring wood and rebuild the temple. He's telling them, consider the issue again. This is an issue of the ministry of God that you're supposed to do. This is an issue about the temple of God, the work of God. Go, get wood, rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little when you bring it home. I blow it away. (laughs) This is interesting. God is saying, I am the one who blows that away. When you've made all the money and come, yeah, and you've collected it all, and you look for it, it's because I've blown it away. And he gives them the reason why he, he blows it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house which lies desolate. While each one of you runs his own house. Because of the ministry that is not moving forward. But everybody is out there on their own, selfishly, doing things in their own manner. Whatever they make, I blow it away. You just see, we work so much but don't succeed. Try considering the poor. We work so hard, but we don't see anything come. Try looking for the the orphan and the widow and paying somebody's school fees and giving giving some concern for the matters of the kingdom of God. Now, for me, I might be talking about the physical structure of the church, yes, in your home area or where you pray from. 
that you need to put consideration into that ministry. But there is also that which is matters of the kingdom of God that don't even require you to be under an institution. But you look out and see the need and help the needy. And here God is telling them, you will make the money, but I blow, out, I blow it away. You will do whatever you do, go out in your work and, and sell that entire stock. But after when you come back to look into the matters, I've blown it away. There's nothing tangible for you to come out and say, this is how we've worked and this is what we've, over, we've, we've gained out of it. Because you don't consider matters of the kingdom of God. So he tells them, because my house lies desolate and every one of you is on their own affairs, it's just about you and you've forgotten the kingdom of God. Whatever you do, whichever money you make, whichever work you do, I blow it away. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. God is saying, I called for a drought on every aspect of your life because you care about yourself only. I called for a drought in your finances because when you have money, you become somebody who is so proud. You become somebody who cares about yourself alone. You turn into a selfish fellow. So I called, in, on a, I called a drought on your finances. I called a drought on your relationships because when you have them, you forget about even uh, any issues concerning my work. I called a drought on all aspects. God is speaking to them clearly here and is telling them there is a reason why this happens. The droughts, some of these droughts that are happening in our lives are because of an issue that we do not resolve with the Lord. Verse 12. So he tells them now, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. Zerubbabel, remember, we've mentioned that he is the governor of the land at that time. And uh, uh, Joshua is the high priest at that time. So he tells them, The high priest, with all the remnant of people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. When they listen, yeah, when they hear what uh, he has to tell them, they say, you know what, we need to obey. Otherwise, we cannot continue with this drought. We cannot continue to live such a life when we know the real reason. We cannot continue to live in lack when we know that the reason that we are not uh, getting anything is because we are ignoring the work of God. We're ignoring the matters of the kingdom of God. We're ignoring that which God wants us to do. So, they listened to the prophet that has talked to them, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, uh, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, who was governor, yeah, and the spirit of Joshua, who was the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius. Now, when Haggai speaks, they listen. They decide, you know, let's go and obey. Let's go and build. Otherwise, we, whatever we are doing is for nothing. And this is an interesting thing. When you make the decision to move, 
God comes and backs you up. When you make a decision to go and do, because some things we fear to do, and say, how am I going to do this? How am I going to achieve this? Will I succeed? Will it come out well? Will they listen? Yeah. Will the people receive my ministry towards them? This is the thing. When these people listened, when these people obeyed and made the move and said, let's go, this is what God did. He stirred up. Yeah, he stirred their hearts up. He, he placed his favor upon them. He stirred up their spirit that they were able to go and do. When you make the decision to move, God stirs you up. God gives you the strength. You even wonder and say, I never thought that I can achieve this. That's the interesting thing. When you make a decision, God looks at it and says, okay, let's give the, the fuel yeah, that is going to run this. Let's give the, the, the effort. Let's give the grace that is abundant for them to go and achieve and do whatever they've, made, they've decided to go and do for my work. And when God sees that in them, he says, okay, let me give them the drive that they may go out and do my work. Chapter 2, which is the last, last chapter of this book. On the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you? Who saw this temple in its former glory? Yeah, because the temple that was there, was the one of Solomon, built by Solomon. You remember when we were handling it, uh, the, that book, uh, looking at how the temple was built, the magnificence it had, the pomp it had, the materials it had, the gold that would come from all corners of the world, from Africa, from Asia, whichever part of the world came gold, came the best wood that built this temple. Now there's a question here, that do you guys, is there anyone of you who is left who saw that former glory of that temple before it was burnt down by Nebuchadnezzar? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem like to you like nothing in comparison? Because when you compare the two temples, this one was not as magnificent as the first. Yeah? It was not as great as the first. The, remember, they told them, go to the mountains, pick the wood and come. The wood that is there is not the real rich yeah, that they used to, like the one they used to get from Lebanon. It was not that that great yeah, quality. Yeah, they were not getting the, where, where there was gold last time, because remember when those guys came, the captors, they took all the gold, they took all the great things that were on the temple, and they burnt down everything. Now, in some portions where they had put gold panels, now you're putting uh, bronze. Yeah, so he's saying, is there any comparison with this? But now, take courage, Zerubbabel. He's telling him, declares the Lord. Take, take courage also, Joshua, the high priest. And all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord. Yeah? For I am with you. That is all. The moment God is in it, that is all. It doesn't matter whether it looks as pompous as the one in the past. The key thing is having God in it. It's useless to have something that looks so beautiful without God. It's useless to have a life that looks so beautiful without God. It's useless to have all the pomp without God. It's useless and it will not profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul. Reason? Because you lack God. What matters here says, I am with you. That is all we need in this world for God to be with us. 
if God is in you, that's enough. And sometimes people will say, the world will say, the social media will speak, and everyone will give you ideas. But when they lack God, when God is not in them, but they look glamorous, however small your life may seem, however humble your life may be, what is key is for you to have God in it. The moment God is with you, then all is fine. And he tells them, this which you've built is not as pompous as the one that Solomon built. But have confidence, I am with you. As for the promise which I made when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding, abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and I will shake the earth. I will shake the sea and I will shake the dry land. I will shake all the nations and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. He says, don't worry. I will sort it out. You do not have gold anymore in this one you've built. But I can do it. I will shake it and it will come. And he says in verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Whatever you do not have here, it belongs to me. Even if it is in Africa, he's telling them, it is mine. So I can make a decision to have it come here. And it makes a, a, a very important point here for us to know that whatever your life looks like and the lack that is in your life, God still says the silver is mine, the gold is mine. God still tells you that all the wealth in the world is mine. I can just shake it a little and it will come to your house. I can just shake it a little and it will come to your life. I will just shake it. The day God visits you, you cannot believe it. The day God visits you, your life can transform in a minute, in a second. Something can happen that will take away all the poverty and your life will be renewed. And they will look at you and say, look at the person we used to laugh at. The person we never used to regard. Reason, all the gold and all the silver belongs to the Lord. So he knows when he's going to channel it. He had the, the power to say at this point, okay, let all the gold and silver come to you now. No, but he lets them build a temple that is not as glorious as the first one, but still tells them, even if you've put bronze there, I have silver, I have gold, but you don't have it now. There is a time that it will come, specific time. There is a time that your life is waiting to be manifested. There is a time that your life is waiting to receive the blessing of God. And the interesting thing is it is God who knows when. So you be patient and wait. As long as you hold on to him, the Savior, as long as you hold on to him who created you and worship him alone, the time will come. So he tells them the latter glory of this house will be greater. Than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And this place I'll give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. It's telling them, this house in which you are shall be greater. This house, the latter glory that is going to come out of this which you have built now will be greater than the one of Solomon which was filled with pomp. Now on the 24th of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with his fold, all cooked food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priests answered, No. Then Haggai said, If one of you is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will the latter become 
unclean. And the priest answered, it will become unclean. Then Haggai again said, so is this people, and so is this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so is every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. He's telling them, you've forgotten about the things that Moses told you about. Yeah, there's a lot of uncleanliness in the temple, in the affairs of the temple. So, sort it out. But now, do consider this from this day forward. Before one stone was placed on another in the temple, from that time when one came to a grain heap of 20 measures, there would be only 10. And when one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there would be only 20. Why? Because people were taking it for granted. They were taking, they were actually even some stealing from it or not even bringing it. I smote you and every work of your hands with blasting wind, milled you and hell, yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded. Consider, is the seed still in the barn? Even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive oil, it has not borne fruit. Yet from this day on, I will bless you. God is telling them, I'll consider you. You've come out of your captivity. Yeah, it's not been good. It's been a tough time, but I'm going to consider you. I'm going to look into your issues. Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor, and say, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of the kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations and I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders will go down, everyone by the sword of another. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shetio, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. Of course, he's saying, yeah, these are going to get better. Israel, we're starting a new life. You're out of captivity and I'm going to work through you. And you will see good things happen. And I will use you, the governor, to make the changes. You will see kingdoms fall. Because you are mine, I'll protect you. That marks the end of the book of Haggai. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We pray that you guide us, help us, walk with us, stand with us. And let us consider the matters of your kingdom. Let us consider spreading the gospel. Let us consider helping the needy, as doing as you want us to do for the matters of your kingdom. Not just looking at ourselves, but looking to you and the growth of your kingdom. Help us and stand with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.